Hey, listeners. Did you miss us? Sorry we were away last week, but exciting because we recorded our first live show. We were down in Washington, D.C. for the Ignatian Family Teaching for Justice. Uh, America Media is a main sponsor of that event, and we were there meeting a lot of listeners, telling new people about Jesuitical, so maybe this might be your first new episode. If so, welcome. And if we met you and you were a longtime listener, thanks for stopping by the booth. It was great to meet you. Maybe you're like, hey, I want Jesuitical to come to my parish, campus, workplace, uh, wedding. If so, send us an email at jesuitical at americamedia.org. Hope you enjoy this live recording. Oh boy. Okay, we're ready. We don't have our intro music today, but. Yeah, yeah. So you guys can just imagine it. Or we can let Zach sing whatever you guys prefer. (laughs) Don't tempt me. Hello, and welcome to Jesuitical, a new podcast from the formerly young, aspirationally hip, and intentionally lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Zach Davis. Hello, everyone. And Olga Segura. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Super wired Excited for this about weekend. our first live <laughs> recording. I just ate like eight Twizzlers to give myself yeah. a sugar high. Yeah. We're Zach supposed to be giving really, those yeah. out to students, Zach. Well. <laughs> if he seemed really hopped up, it's just the Twizzlers and the coffee mix. Yes. That's kind of yes. keeping so him going what through. is on tap this week, Zach? So this week we're all feeling a little drained of energy in a very in the best way, right, I imagine. Yeah. Well um, spent. So we are drinking coffee today. <laughs> um, so, 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 cheers. so cheers. This is... Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> and you know who else could use some coffee? Who's that? Pope Francis. He just copped to often falling asleep during prayer. Wow. (laughs) Which I I appreciate a lot. And I know you've talked about this. Maybe he should listen to Jesuitical while he falls asleep. Mm -hmm. Ashley's talked about wanting to be someone's falling asleep podcast. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Which everyone has one, I think. Yeah. And who are we talking to this week, Olga? So, since obviously here it's our first live show, so you guys are actually our guests this week. So this is or like... Or maybe we're your guests. Or maybe we're your guests. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave that up to you guys. So you guys are our featured guests this week. So then, and after, we've also got our consolations and desolations later on in the show. The part of the where we show you where we did or didn't find God this week. But first, we've got some signs of the times, right, yeah. Ashley? Signs of the times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week, so you don't have to. Um, first... We will start again with Pope Francis, as we often do. Um, He made an interesting phone call last last week. Where'd he call? Uh, It was a little long distance. International Space Station. (laughs) To the Uh, ends of the Earth and beyond. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, he he called the astronauts who are living up there um, and just, like, dove right into some, like, very deep questions. Really deep (laughs) questions. My favorite was, what do you think about referring to love as the force that moves the universe? (laughs) Which is pretty deep. My first question would have been, have they figured out a way to make Chipotle astronaut food? (laughs) Um, But he's interested in other things, I guess. Yeah. No, and I thought this was an interesting story because, one, a lot of the astronauts um, are Russian. And Mm -hmm. so it was described as one small step for Vatican-Russian relations. The Catholic Church and the Russian Orthodox Church do not always get along, but Pope Francis is making steps in that regard. And also, I think it helps to dispel this notion that the Catholic Church is somehow anti-science. Right. Um, Because the father of the Big Bang is actually a Catholic priest. It's true. And there are 35 uh, craters on the moon named for Jesuits. Named for Jesuits. Wow. Just Jesuits. Building space bridges. Yes. (laughs) 
And what's next, Olga? So, um, as much as we love talking about Pope Francis, we also love talking about nuns. And Sister Margaret Ann, who you guys might know, is the chainsaw nun who became really famous in Florida. What a hardcore name. I know. It, it, it's pretty chainsaw hardcore. Nun. So, following Hurricane Irma, she actually, she was, a picture was snapped of her with a chainsaw in her habit, like, just cutting stuff down and really, like, helping her community. So, the Do South Brewing Company in Florida is actually honoring her with her own beer. It's called the Chainsaw Nun Beer. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's an IPA uh, yeah, with, a lot, with a lot of hops. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be great for the show, yeah. right? We should. Yeah, we're definitely going to yep. get it. And no. it's great because it's not just um, the marketing people are saying that it's not just meant to honor her, but everyone who was really just pulled together following Irma and just all the sense of, com- like everything they did as a community. So it's pretty great. Yeah. But in, in conclusion, I don't think you should operate uh, a PSA. chainsaw yeah, yeah, yeah. PSA. while wearing a loose flowing habit. <laughs> we do while, not encourage that. Or while drinking this IPA. Yeah. <laughs> What's next, Zach? Our next story comes from Nebraska. Anyone from Nebraska? What? what? Nice. Um, (laughs) The University of Nebraska Lincoln uh, Newman Center, they are building a Catholic sorority, the Pi Alpha Chi. I I think that's correct Greek. I think it's Chi. Chai chai tea. Uh, they're building a Catholic sorority. It's part of an expansion on campus. Huh. Um, I didn't know they had that you had Catholic yeah. sororities. What would one even have at a Catholic sorority? Like so, just a bunch of praying and Well my question <laughs> my question is how do you haze someone into a Catholic sorority? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, twenty four hour adoration, maybe. <laughs> or a twenty hour bus ride to DC for the teaching. There you go. Maybe perhaps. <laughs> that um, would work. But Jokes aside, I actually think that communities like this are super important in college, whether you're at a Jesuit university or a Catholic university or a secular university. Um, I got a lot out of my college experience by having really intentional communities. Mm-hmm. There was one uh, group on my campus at Loyola Chicago that lived in community, very intentional. And even though I wasn't there, uh, they would always invite people from the community in for service, for meals, and I think, and for prayer. And I think those are really important spaces to seek out. Nice. So what's next, Ashley? Um, so I was here last year and it was a couple days after a momentous election. Oh and boy. So we are approaching the one year anniversary of uh, President Trump winning. It feels like so much longer than a year. Yeah. So I was, I was actually on a panel last year in which we were supposed to talk about, um, Hope and charity in politics. <laughs> wow! <laughs> After the election, and so you can imagine it was not the most receptive crowd mm-hmm. for that topic at that time. Um, but since then, we've been through a lot, um, and you might have heard that you know Trump, most of his support comes from white evangelicals, but he's actually surrounded by a whole lot of Catholics. Um, I'll just read through a couple of them. Some some have since left the administration. Yeah, but there's sort of a revolving door. Yes. <laughs> We got uh, Press Secretary Sean Spicer, former Chief of Staff. Or Sean Spicer, who finally got to meet the Pope. Yeah. Finally, yeah, in August. After allegedly being snubbed by Trump when he went to meet with the Pope back yeah. in May. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. maybe he was hiding in the bushes. Yeah, he was. Poor Sean Spicer. <laughs> um, we got Chief of Staff John Kelly, Ambassador to the Vatican Callista Gingrich. Vice President Mike Pence was raised Catholic. Now he identifies as, like, evangelical Catholic. Yeah. So kind of Catholic. <laughs> kind of Small Catholic. C. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got Anthony Scaramucci, who can oh, forget him. Oh, boy. <laughs> I've <The> tried. <laughs> um, and counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway. And this is, he's not part of the administration, but he's a, he's a player in all this, Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. That's true. So, right. Yeah. So, but we're, we thought we'd pick out a couple of our favorite 
moments mm-hmm. with Trump and his Catholics. Uh, so I guess you already talked about yeah. Sean Spicer. Sean's but Steve Bannon, um, he's no longer a part of the administration, but he has had no trouble going after um, the U.S. bishops. Right, uh, right. In September, Trump uh, ended DACA, and the bishops came out very forcefully against that move. And uh, Steve Bannon accused the bishops of just wanting illegal immigrants to fill the pews and coffers of the church. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Okay. But he is no longer at the White mm-hmm. House. He's now at Breitbart, um, a uh, a news organization. <laughs> I was like, how, have, how are we describing this? But I am super grateful for the bishops being so strong on the yeah. issue mm-hmm. of immigration mm-hmm. and being able to speak with uh, a prophetic and a lot voice. Of, and they've, yeah. I've never seen so many letters from bishops as this year, like on climate change, on immigration, mm-hmm. on the budget. So they've really found their voice in this administration, I think. So. I think. Agreed. What's next, Olga? So, um, as Ashley mentioned, it's been almost a year since Trump was elected into office. And one of the biggest criticisms that he's faced has been the way he sort of talks about race and the way he engages with issues related to racial justice. We saw this when Charlottesville happened, and he took several days to kind of release any kind of statement. Um, And we've seen people, we've seen the NFL protests, we've seen various protests across the country. And last month, students at Boston College walked out of camp, walked out of classes after people defaced posters that said Black Lives don't matter. So we've been seeing, and it's something that we've done on the show, like we've tried to engage in these conversations, but it's not always easy. It's not easy to just kind of talk about what it means to be an ally in this country and to talk about the ways which we've been complicit. And I think we, you guys can agree, right? Like we, we try to, but it's not always easy for us. Well, it it brings, it makes for some uncomfortable conversations. And I I like what uh, Father Massengale said last night Mm -hmm. about, um, we need to get past the idea that, uh, White people's comfort is the what sets the boundaries for conversations on race. Right, um, right. And, but that also means that people that like I've got to be uncomfortable and I have mm-hmm. to be willing to be uncomfortable. Right, right. right. Yeah, and it it involves a lot of listening too. Even for myself, I'm a woman of color. I've talked about this on the podcast, but even like I don't face a lot of the issues, a lot of the discrimination that like my black father faces and I have to acknowledge that too and just kind of be like well what can I do how can I listen to you you know yeah. what about you Ashley yeah no for me it's I like Zach I feel like it's it's a time for listening a time mm-hmm. for educating myself um it's been wonderful to have conversations with you about <laughs> these topics mm-hmm. um so yeah and I mean events like this where we hear from people yeah. like Brian Massengale are right really, right really yeah important. and following the example of like these students at Boston College who are like Catholic social teaching tells us that we have to care about people who are marginalized, people who are oppressed. We can't just be comfortable and say like, oh, we're going to mass every Sunday. That's enough. Like, no, we have to listen and be involved, which is, you know, like Ashley mentions, what we're doing this weekend. So. Yeah, and, and yeah. show up too, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. you, just because you're listening doesn't mean you're not exactly. being present with mm-hmm. people who are marching. Yeah. Yeah. So Ashley, what's Speaking of what's which, next? our next news story, the Ignatian Solidarity Network wow. sponsored the largest... <laughs> Social justice gathering in the country yep. this weekend. Um, we're there. Yeah. We're here. <laughs> you see us? We're here. We're coming at you. <laughs> and it is a really, really like hope-filled and inspiring event. Um, but it's, it, I think one of the reasons it is so inspiring is because in other areas, the Catholic Church is having trouble keeping young people engaged and involved. Yeah, there's been some, like, really kind of dismal numbers. Like, since the 70s, the, like, Catholic Church has experienced a 10% net decrease in Catholics. And since in 1990, about 10 million people referred to themselves as former Catholics, and that number has grown just in the last year to 30 million. Um, And this is something you've written a lot on, Zach, correct? 
funny you mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you got a tote bag from ISN, it, there's an issue of America, and my story on millennials and the Catholic Church is in there. But And on the cover. Yes. I'll plug on the cover. Yes. <laughs> I'll plug um, but as you said, a lot of people are falling away from the church and that's you know it's good to highlight events like this right um but even statistically uh it's really difficult for even people who come to events like this to maintain their involvement with the church once they leave either spaces of campus ministry or maybe your jesuit volunteer community and then you get dropped somewhere else in the country and it's really hard to stay involved um and one of those one of the difficulties of that is um one transition periods but also like Mm -hmm. then parish life right and parish life is really tough i think especially at our age because you know there's programming for people with kids Mm -hmm. um but we're kind of in that transitional phase where it's like maybe there's a young adult group but maybe they don't really do that much and you're kind of like "Mm." right (laughs) right was there anything in your reporting that gave you hope yeah Yeah, i think so i think we're gonna have to as a church look at new ways of thinking um mm-hmm. something i've noticed uh across the country is that large dioceses archdioceses around the country are sort of flipping this model of starting with the parish like theology on tap i'm sure a lot of people have heard of theology on tap events those mm-hmm. sort of started as regional events then what happened over the years was that it eventually just sort of got uh they started happening in parish basements and it's one thing to invite someone to a church basement um then inviting someone to a bar mm-hmm. over faith so that's sort of they're shifting the starting point um so you start with these regional events that are more inviting you get people involved in service projects and then at the end of that you go into parish life so yeah. hopefully that works um <laughs> i think we have to pray i think we right. have to it's important for people like us to show up yeah. still right. and make our voices heard and so. the Vatican seems like really committed to like reaching out to young people as well. Yeah, they're having a, a synod on youth in mm-hmm. 2018. I hate the word youth, but <laughs> the, <laughs> the, youth, the, youth. The, youth. the youth of the world. They're going to answer questions about the Facebook. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, and there's a survey. If you haven't taken it online, the Vatican like wants to know what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. Like 65,000 people have taken it already. Yeah. So. so go that's do that it. if you haven't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Q&A time. So Eloise will go around with the microphone. Oh, okay, great. Um, so a lot of the topics this weekend have been about race and kind of our, as like an Ignatian Solidarity Network, our role in addressing issues of oppression. But I guess my question to you all is how do we address issues of like racial oppression within the Catholic Church? Because as an institutional level, you look at all the bishops, most of them are white men. Like how do we mm-hmm. address our own issues while looking out like nationally? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, so the bishops are uh, in the process of writing a new pastoral letter on racial relations in the church. I think the last one they wrote was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So it probably could use an update um (laughs) but no it's I think especially we saw um after the events in Charlottesville uh the bishops had a good statement but when you would look at photos from the counter protesters you didn't see a lot of Catholic Mm -hmm. priests or women religious which you know some of the most iconic images from the civil rights movement were you know people, priests and nuns marching with Martin Luther King. And I think 
that's something we, mm-hmm. we could really use today. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think the bishops have set a really great example by f- starting that anti-racism committee in um, back over the summer. Um, and I think that's a great first step. But And I think part of what was important about that was that a lot of bishops and a lot of clergy met with Black Lives Matter activists and we're just like listening to what they were saying. And we mentioned this in our SOT. You can start that at a local level. Um, Just even if it means like talking to all of your friends of color and being like, hey, tell me what I need to do or just talk to me about what you go through. And that right there is such an amazing first step, which is what, again, I've done with these guys. Like we do this often and it's not easy, but just starting that within your own community, within your own friends and at your own parishes, because it's not going to be enough if like the the bishops do it at a national level like it needs Mm -hmm. to start across the country with people like you guys who are here at this weekend but like going beyond like take this back to your school to your all of your white friends and be like here's what i learned like let's start talking let's reach out to people um so i think that would be a way to that's a great way to start addressing that Mm -hmm. and i think you're right representation matters right if if 60 percent of the church under 18 is hispanic there's uh and you know, how many bishops across the country are Hispanic. I think that matters. Um, and I think you're going to see people fall away. I, it's just hard if you look yeah. up there and no one looks like you. Mm-hmm. Um, no one has the same experiences as you. And that's where listening comes in, right? Yeah. Not to say that the bishops are incapable of overcoming those things, mm-hmm. but um, I think listening is important. Mm-hmm. Representation and representation matters. Yeah, agreed. And always just like fight that instinct that a lot of people can have to just be like, well, I don't do that or I don't like I don't have microaggressions when I talk to people like just listen just totally listen and that means so much to communities that don't have a voice you know mm-hmm. hi. hi so um, I want to know each I want you guys all to answer but if you could canonize one person <laughs> wow. who would it be <laughs> wow oh my god oh, no. so this is what all of our guests feel <laughs> like oh geez okay <laughs> We are really stumped right now. Okay. Are we allowed to say our moms? <laughs> I will. I want to say, uh, uh, yeah, I was going to pick my mom, but um, I want to tell a story about a listener who came up and said like, oh, we listen, I listened to Jesuitical with my mom and said, do you want a shirt? And he was like, actually, I'm going to get one for my mom. Yeah. <laughs> it was our group consolation for yeah, sure. Um, um, but yeah. I think I, I will. I, I am going to pick my mom. And the reason for that is... Um, the my parents divorced when I was 15 um, and that was really tough and I think the, the day I graduated from high school my mom like came up to me and was like uh, I don't know who raised who um, and I'll never forget that but it was 100% her and she went through a lot of sacrifices to keep us um, grounded and going to church and um, in a space where we could talk about our feelings and process these things um, and so she's my hero and so St. Amy Davis Aww. was my... Damn it. Nothing is going to be as good as that. Okay. What about you, Ashley? Uh. <laughs> well, I'll go. Since I can't pick my mom, because that would just be plagiarizing Zach. Um, I guess since, you know, we've been talking about race a lot, I would canonize James Baldwin. He's my favorite writer. Um, and if you're trying to, like, learn about the black experience in this country and read someone who was both extremely eloquent when he spoke and also when he wrote about these issues, it would be him. Like he did so much. He set the way for people like Ta-Nehisi Coates. So that's, that's what I would do. What, what should people read to start with? I would start with either go tell it on the mountain, which is semi autobiographical. And it just really captures what he experienced as a teenager in 
New York City and just across the country. And then some of his essays, like any essay by James Baldwin, to start with that, because he did not pull any punches and was just amazing. So, St. Baldwin. Pray for us. Nice. Oh, gosh. You guys are setting the bar really <laughs> high. Um, I'm going to have to go... I'm going to sound so nerdy. Foyodor Dostoevsky, because Ooh. I've always... Um, had a hard time with like the more spirituality part of the Catholic faith. I'm much more like intellectually connected to my faith, and I really came into that in college. Um, and I don't think there's like a better modern theologian than Dostoevsky. Um, so I'm gonna go with that. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I also want to put a plug in for Bob from Stranger Things. <laughs> no spoilers, Zach. I haven't no spoilers, finished season two. That's it. <laughs> Hello. So why do you guys think that digital platforms like this podcast and like social media are so important to like millennials and keeping them involved in the church and whatnot? Yeah, that's why we started the podcast. We, you know, we are in this transitional phase where maybe you, if you're in New York, you might be lucky enough to have a very vibrant parish life, but maybe you don't. Um, and we just like had this inkling that there were there, these people out there, Jesuit grads, former uh, Jesuit volunteers who um, might need a community and because we need community. Mm -hmm. um, and so we thought that we could create a space, um, a virtual space uh, to bring young voices into the church, um, you know, practice our, our Ignatian spirituality in a very intentional way. Um, so that's why we started yeah. the podcast. Agreed. And also we're, it's, you know, we're millennials and this is how we consume so many parts of our lives. So it would be, it would seem like the best way to kind of get this community that we're trying to build out to other millennials by just reaching them through platforms that they're comfortable with, yeah. you know, meeting well, people where they're at. It's exactly. where people are. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the easiest answer, mm -hmm. right? I yeah. mean, if you're on social media, if you're listening to NPR, then you uh, theoretically should have a podcast in your feed that is has a faith element that doesn't suck. Um, <laughs> it, I don't think that's a ton to ask, but also people have to make it. And so we're trying really hard. But like, I think, you know, Father James Martin, I mean, I think he's single-handedly kept people, like hundreds of thousands of people engaged on, in the church, just at yeah. least paying attention to it, whether that's, you know, they're going every day or they're just reading the headlines that he's posting. Mm -hmm. And so um, Jim's someone that I look to as an example for that. Yeah. Um, and he talks about social media as being a place that can be the margins, but it's where every, it's also on the margins, but also where everyone is. It's right in the center of the square. And St. Ignatius purposely built uh, the schools and the communities to be in the city. He wanted to be where the people were. And so if digitally, so, you know, Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or podcast is where people are, then that's where we should be. Because that's where God is. God is already present there, and it's important to help people recognize where that is. And he's, but maybe not the comments section. <laughs> hey. Um, so, kind of selfishly, I'm a senior at the University of Michigan right now, and my friend who couldn't be here also sent me in a, a question, so there's two here. Um, <laughs> the first from Christina is, uh, how do you guys like to pray? What's your favorite way to pray or engage in your spirituality? And kind of the second for me, um, how did your faith change after you graduated college? Hmm. We've talked a lot about prayer on the podcast. We had, a, we had an episode with Father James Martin where we talked about the challenges of, of praying because I'm personally, I mean, I think everyone says this, but like 
I'm really bad at praying. (laughs) Um, And so I, you know, I generally stick to the classics. (laughs) So um, I, you know, say my Hail Marys and hope that something's working when I do it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, One thing, it's really weird. I'm always like, prayer is so uncomfortable. Like I have to talk to Jesus and talk to God. Um, But Jim really like, Father James Martin, um, after we like spoke to him, he gave us this, he described how he just sits and imagines Jesus like sitting with him, imagines God sitting with him. And that's something that I've started doing and that's made it more, it's, it's become less intimidating to think that you're like praying to the superior being who like exists in the clouds to just imagine him as a friend sitting with you. So that's kind of how I try to do my morning prayers. Uh, I had a really powerful experience in my high school youth group. Um, I was in a life teen parish and that was really focused on like, uh, Eucharistic adoration and like really intense praise and worship music. Um, and so that was sort of what formed me. And I don't think I do that as much anymore. Um, right now, the thing that sort of keeps me tethered, uh, to my faith life is mass, uh, just routines, I guess. So being able to go to, um, a parish and have mass and sort of that centers myself in being, um, I don't know. I really value the quiet time after communion. I think like a lot of Catholics do. Um, I think that's where I think a lot of my one-on-one time with God happens. Um, and it's not always great. Um, talk a little bit later about it not being great. Um, but I think the routine is sort of what keeps me grounded. Uh, the second question, how did it change after college? Uh, sort of what we talked about. I had like, I think the best community at Loyola Chicago. Um, I, I, I feel like it was unfair how many, how much love I was surrounded by in the faith community there. And then, you know, even working in a Jesuit ministry, it's a little bit different. You know, you starting a new job with new roommates, um, in a new city. Um, that's why I think the important part for me was to find a parish to get plugged into, to keep me tethered, to keep me going. Um, and since then starting the podcast has been like a whole new way of praying. I would say like trying to do consolations and desolations mm-hmm. that always, I, I know that Eloise and Eric are going to, you know, ask me, <laughs> what am I going to say this week on the podcast? So I've got to be paying attention mm-hmm. to, like during my day, like, okay, God, where are you? I, or where were you? Mm-hmm. The heck. Um, so I think that's how it's changed a little bit. Um, just finding new communities. Um, so I think my transition period actually got better after college. I went to an all girls Catholic high school. So I had that routine that you were mentioning. So I was forced to go to mass. We were praying as students Then I went to Fordham and like, it was on me. So I was like, Oh yeah, I'll go next week. I'll go next week. And then I didn't, but then working at America, just kind of working with other Catholics, um, and just writing and reading stuff. And then the podcast, like Zach said, when I know Eloise and Eric are going to force us to faith share I actually have to get ready and it really forces you to think about where God was and it forces you to be intentional about your own spirituality so yeah as the as someone who only went to public school um I would say being I didn't really know what Jesuits were before I started working at America still figuring it out Um, so I learning about the Ignatian spirituality through events like this and just working with Jesuits, um, and, and really trying to find God in all things when you're living in New York and just being like really, you know, being there and maybe being like lonely or feeling isolated or being on a crowded, broken train. And like in those moments, really just like trying to be like, okay, God is here. 
because I'm, yeah, and I went to University of Virginia, and it's very easy to find God when a beautiful rolling hills, but sometimes harder in New York City, at least for me. In the subway I rats. <laughs> I know. But, yeah. but like another thing I just want to say on prayer is just like, do what works for you. And if you don't, there's not like a better way to pray. I, I think in my younger days, I tried really hard to, to do what was the right way. Um, and that's stupid. And don't listen to the people who are trying to tell you that your way is not right or there's something you need to do. Um, I, I feel really passionate about that. So, <laughs> yeah. So we have time for one more question. Do you want to come up and ask it? Just for context, I work in a high school. Um, and I was curious. I have a lot of students that approach me and say they need God but not the church. And so I wondered, what would you say to those students about remaining in the church? I think that's, a, I think first I would say that's a great starting point. So I would honor what they said and talk to them about that a little bit. Um, tell me, why do you think you need God? Where, um, how do you think you need to relate to God? Um, and then I think you just sort of like accompany them and invite them to things. Um, no one's going to be convinced to stay in the church through an argument. Um, maybe some people, but that's not been really true in my experience. Um, I think if you're able to get, people to events like this. Um, I think once people experience community, they realize how important it is. Um, if you've never had it before, it's really hard to tell someone why it matters, I think. Um, but in conversely, if you've had it and then you lose it right in this transition period from college to the workforce or high school to college or something, I think you realize like how much you needed that and how much you missed it. So that's what I would say. Just God's working in their life already. If they're, if they've recognized that they need it, um, and just invite them to things, accompany them. That's what I would say. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, like you were saying with prayer, like if you try to just bro beat this into them that they have to go to church and have to do this, that's not going to be helpful for them because it's not where they are. So just one listening to them and accompanying them because everyone craves community. But if you overwhelm someone with it and tell them that that's what they have to do, it's going to intimidate them. So just meet them where they are and accompany them in that phase that they're on because, you know, faith, there are various phases of one's faith and they will come, but, you know, just meet them where they are, you know? Yeah. And tell them to listen to Judge Whitical and we'll convince them <laughs> exactly. for you. Exactly. <laughs> we don't necessarily look like the church, so that helps. When I look for you, you're never very far. You gave me your hand, so you're always with me. No matter where you are. Okay, so now we're moving into. The last part of the show. Yes. Consolations and Desolations, the part of our show where we talk about where we found God this week and where it was harder to find God. What do you have, Zach? So this week I've got a desolation. Uh, last week was Halloween and um, I celebrated with friends Saturday night and I woke up Sunday morning um, and I didn't want to make the trek to the parish that I normally go to. Go to um, so I just went to one sort of down the street in Brooklyn and I get there and there's a lot of pews. It's a beautiful church and there's not a lot of people. Um, no one really says hi to me when I walk in. Um, I, I get up there. Um, music's kind of bad because it's hard to sing when there's like everyone's spread out. Um, and the pastor, I mean, gave a great homily and the, you know, liturgy was nourishing, but I was just struck on my way back that I was wondering if this is what the future of parish life is in the United States, um, especially with young people. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot as I've been like 
reporting on this and doing this podcast and I'm sitting there and I'm praying about, you know, parishes and young people in the church. And it was raining that Sunday in New York. And literally as I'm praying about parishes falling apart, it started leaking in in the roof. um, That's yeah. A sign or something. I don't know. Um, But the, the desolation is that it's unclear to me how, what church in the United States is going to look like. Um, if parishes keep shutting down or, and I think that we have to be willing to be surprised by God, by the Holy Spirit. Um, it's working in ways, but I can't see that right now. And so it's tough to feel hopeful. And so that's, I think the desolation for me. How about you, Ashley? Uh, very similar experience, except mine's a consolation. Um, I also celebrated Halloween with friends in Brooklyn. Um, and I just moved to a new neighborhood. And so I decided to also not go to my regular parish and check out this big, beautiful church down the street. Um, and I went in and it was basically empty, but there were there were three families all gathered in the like front three rows, very close to each other. The priest was like talking to them as I walk in. I'm like, okay, it's kind of empty and this is a beautiful church. I wish there were more people, but whatever. And then I realized they're talking in French and it's the French mass. <laughs> so there's, I, mean, I guess there aren't that many French people in my neighborhood. So there aren't going to be that many people there. And I immediately, a little girl runs up to me, gives me a translation, a French translation of the mass. And like, clearly the kids just like feel like this is their home. Like they're running around talking to the priest. Um, so it is, it's, a smaller church um and and maybe the church will be smaller but even in 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 that small community i saw god alive and active and you know still inviting people um so i i found i found it kind of hopeful um and so i won't always go to the french mass because i have (laughs) no french (laughs) but but it was it was it was a hopeful experience for me (laughs) That's great. Okay. Um, so I've also got a consolation this week, and I go to a non-Catholic church for service every week, um, and I really, it's the first time that I've kind of been consistently going to a service every week, and I've just got this really great sense of community. Um, it's in Harlem in New York, and there it's just like all people of all races, um, different, like there are some Muslims, there are some Catholics, um, and I've just built this really great sense of community, and it's been fun for me because I, despite growing going to all girls Catholic, despite going to Catholic school my whole life, and despite growing up like Dominican Catholic, um, I'm still very intimidated by Catholic spaces, and I'm still I know it's weird. We don't but, fight, Olga. <laughs> no, um, but I always have this idea that I'm I'm like not Catholic enough, or I'm not doing all of the right Christian mm-hmm. things. And then I go to the service every week, and there are a lot of people who don't know anything about the Catholic tradition, and I just get to answer any question that they have and I'm just like wait a minute I am here like I am seeing God in this moment in my life you know and then it's been encouraging to also have um we have J.D. Long Garcia who is our senior editor at America who's covering the Latino church in the United States and he's talking about why like Hispanics and Zach mentioned this earlier like most young people under 18 60 percent of them um, are Hispanic Catholics and just putting those two together just realizing that even when I doubt myself or doubt my faith, like these voices are important and we are a part of the church. And that's just been really consoling to kind of accept that and just, you know, pray with that every week. So awesome. Great. Well, should we roll credits? We should. Do we? Okay. Great. What's these live credits going to look like? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Jesuitical is brought to you by America Media and produced by Eloise Blondio. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Jesuit formation provided by Eric Sundrup, SJ. 
Engineering provided by Colleen Dully. Our logo is by Sean Tripoli. You can follow us on Twitter at Jeffotical Show. And please subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and leave us a review. And please send us your questions, feedback, cocktail recipes, or coffee recipes. Uh, <laughs> and tell us where you found God this week at Jesuitical at AmericanMedia.org. For American Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Zach Davis and Olga Segura. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.